The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and uh, and the Executive Minister, I almost forgot for a second, of Christ Universal Temple, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series I'm calling Secrets of Metaphysical Bible Study, and I'm bringing in a guest who I believe uh, are doing great work with metaphysical Bible study. Not everybody, because obviously through these couple of decades and a half of doing this work, I've obviously bumped into a lot of phenomenal teachers. But I believe that some of the people that I've been bringing on for this series are, are right out front and center, making sure that this methodology, this this way of looking and viewing at the Bible stays relevant and practical in the world. So today I have a really special guest. He's been on the show before, so I don't know, you know, if he's like a regular guest guest because he's been on the show so many times, but for those who have not heard him before, today my guest is the Reverend Greg Stamper. How you doing there, Reverend Greg? Oh, I'm doing good, brother. So good to be back here with you. So good to be back here with everyone. And I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah. So uh, the, the Reverend Greg Stamper is the co-founder and co-pastor of Celebration Spiritual Center in Brooklyn, uh, New York. And w- before we came on, we were talking about how his basketball team has hope in Brooklyn and my Chicago Bulls yeah. are struggling and how it's painting my heart. But that's what this, this this show isn't about, the Chicago Bulls today and how they lost to the Lakers last night after a 19-point lead in the third quarter. So... <laughs> 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 man, oh, man. These, bulls, these bulls are just doing me, man. They're just doing me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. hard to shake. Anyway, moving on. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> Reverend Greg, you know, again, thank you for coming on. And today oh, I want to talk about the metaphysics of Moses. But before mm. we uh, get into Moses, you know, I've been asking the different guests a series of questions before we get to the main topic. And the okay. reason why I've been doing it is to try to get some context of how you view metaphysical Bible interpretation and mm-hmm. 
uh, the importance in the movement. So before we get to the questions about Moses and the metaphysical interpretations that go along with his life story, uh, let mm -hmm. me ask, uh, first of all, this question. From your point of view, what is metaphysical Bible interpretation and why is it important to the New Thought movement? Ah, uh, okay. Well, me metaphysical Bible interpretation, um, uh, from my perspective, is first, um, it's, it's a branch of sort of theological study, right? We have, there's this, this wonderful theological word, hermeneutics, which simply means a way of looking at the text or a way of seeing. Um, and one of the things that we have to do when we're dealing with, with, with the Bible and with the biblical text is call on those different lenses because it, it helps us to see the text in a new way. We can look at it from a you know, historical critical uh, lens. We can look at it from a social critical lens. We can look at it from a womanist lens. We can look at it um, from a LGBTQ critical lens, right? There's so many different lenses. And so metaphysics is another lens um, that we have that we, we can look at the text with and what the metaphysics means to, to go beyond or to transcend um, that which is physical. And so what I think metaphysical interpretation, uh, why it's very helpful for us is because it's what really, one of the methods that fully supports us in getting beyond and past the literal reading of the Bible. Um, the literal reading of the Bible, um, what I always say, the reason why we can't read the text literally, look at the world that we've created based on a literal reading of the text, right? Look at the division that we create because of a literal reading of the text. Look at the wars that have been justified because of a literal reading of the text. Look at how women have been treated because of a literal reading of the text. So if we can recognize that that um, biblical literalism has, has its faults, flaws, and, and creates problems, then we have to have another lens and, and, and a metaphysical lens. Um, it is a beautiful and beneficial lens also because it then brings it to the individual. When we start to look at and understand that what we're reading in scripture and the, the, the characters that we meet in the Bible are actually within us, right? And so we're actually seeing ourselves depicted um, in these wonderful stories and these wonderful adventures. And then I think that's how we can begin to apply these lessons in a way that's transformative, in a way that's, that's beneficial uh, beyond the, the, the base of using the Bible to, you know, to quote unquote live right or to, to live a, a moral life. Uh, but there's something, something so much more, something deeper that's happening in the text that we get to tap into. So for us in New Thought, um, because we, uh, uh, generally speaking, are not um, uh, living our lives according to a literal reading of really any text, but particularly the Bible in this case, um, it's important that we learn how to take this text that uh, many of us have grown up with. Uh, what's always fascinating to me, even if you haven't grown up in a Christian or Judeo-Christian uh, uh, background or, or one of the Abrahamic religions, um, you know, the Old Testament scripture and New Testament scripture is still in your consciousness somewhere. And so it's important that we can, as I love to say, reimagine the Bible, right? Liberate our understanding of these texts uh, so that um, the Bible doesn't become a stumbling block. So often people uh, get woke and they, they leave the Bible aside um, because of all of the problems that's happened. But in, in my, uh, from my point of view, 
um, then the, the Bible has not only become a stumbling block, but it's now actually become a prison. Um, we, we never want to resist something because we think it's wrong, but I think we should liberate it uh, and, and make it a tool that we can use for our own liberation, for our own transformation. You know, as you're speaking on that, uh, Reverend Greg, I've had experiences where I've gone gone to New Thought churches to speak, and it doesn't make a difference if it's unity or a sentence for spiritual living. A lot of places are refusing to really deal with uh, Scripture, the Bible in, yeah. uh, in particular, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and because I'm really a hardcore old school style metaphysician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I come in with it and exactly. it blows people away because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm all for, you know, secular titles and what's happening now mm-hmm. and of authors course. of whatever. But I, what I try to tell some of my, well, I would say my, our um, comrades in the new thought mm-hmm. uh, movement ministers is you can't avoid the Bible. Nope. Like you literally can't avoid it. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. either you are going to enlighten it or it will still be a stumbling block that people use. For instance, you have a, a congregation that um, is, is is wrestling with the Bible. Say, for instance, they're from the LGBTQ community and the Bible has been used as a hammer mm-hmm. to, to, right. to, to devalue their humanity. Well, right. I've had sermons where what I, what I said actually liberated them because they said, you know what, there were parts of the Bible that I loved, but then mm-hmm. the thing I loved was used to, to devalue me, and yep, it gave yep. them their Bible back. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. so what I was trying to do with showing up and saying, okay, I'm not showing up as the, and I'm not using this in a disrespectful way, so if anybody's mm-hmm. listening, because I go a lot of different places to speak, but I want to make sure this is understood, because sometimes I say mm-hmm. things directly, and it, people can, can think it's an insult. It's not an insult. It's just mm-hmm. my insight. Right. I'm showing up as a, a, a method and a bridge to help people show how you can still get magnificent value and insight into uh a Western worldview that mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to escape the presence of the Bible, whether it's exactly. in religion, social life, government. Um, yep. It doesn't make a difference. If you're yep. a part of the That's Western it. worldview, it mm-hmm. impacts you whether you've ever walked into a synagogue or a church. Yep. Yep. It is what Absolutely. it is. So now what, you, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> and I think metaphysical Bible interpretation allows us to do that completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a gift and it's, it's a necessary gift. Yes. So on that line, why is mm-hmm. metaphysical Bible in- interpretation important to our understanding about God? Uh, this is beautiful, right? It's, it's important to our understanding about God because this is what allows us to, to create a new God concept, right? Um, um, so often we've, we've been raised with this, you know, perspective of, of a God that's vengeful, that's jealous, um, you know, that's angry, that um, has been made in the likeness and image of, of human beings. Um, and so metaphysics and metaphysical biblical interpretation allows us to see God anew. Um, and, and just as we talk about liberating the Bible, in truth, it liberates God as it liberates our understanding of God. It liberates 
um, the, the the power and of God in us um, for for us to actually allow that power to operate through us um, in in deeper, profound, and more expansive ways. Um, you know, our relationship with God and our understanding of God it's what informs everything else. Uh, it's it's what we you know we look at and and can sort of um, um, uh, you know look at the individual things that are happening in our lives, uh, the way we treat ourselves, the way we speak about ourselves, the way we treat others, it has so much to do with our God concept. So we have to, to liberate that concept in order to then experience the world that we want, to experience the life that we want. Um, um, they're, they're just intimately connected. And so metaphysical uh, interpretation helps us in that liberation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of uh, you know, as you were speaking about uh, at the starting point, like it, yeah. it, it all starts there, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a real way. And mm-hmm. you know, when we get that type of understanding, that it all starts there, you know, yeah. you can try to work around it or et cetera, et cetera. But sooner mm-hmm. or later, you have to deal with what do you think about God? Uh, I know that you're a big Charles Fillmore fan, like I am. And uh, Charles Fillmore wrote in, in Dynamics for Living. It's one of my favorite books. One day I'm mm-hmm. going to probably do a series on that book. Uh, you know, you know, but, you know, you got to be ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but he says in that book, the starting point in spiritual realization is a right understanding of God. There it is. Right. Because if, you know, if if God, if it's the all that is, omnipresence everywhere at all times, everyone and everything constantly encountered, then we're always encountering God whether we know it or not. So if I, we have a misunderstanding of this thing that we're constantly encountering, how, how can we ever realize uh, truth, realize power? How can we ever transform? How can we ever live liberated lives? How can we develop a prosperity consciousness? All of these things, it's absolutely impossible. Mhm. Mhm. And I think that that part of really just recognizing what do you think about God, and mm-hmm. you, you know, is one of the 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 challenges of metaphysical Bible interpretation and new thought in general. Because I'm of the belief in that the pushback that we get in new thought is because we teach a God that's too good. People just can't <laughs> believe it. Right. Right. Right, and that's and and that's that's so much about um, having created God in in our likeness and image, right? Um, and what's interesting is if we liberate God, then we liberate ourselves. But we also um, want to keep ourselves in in jail, in prison, you know, in many ways, and and hold ourselves to the to these um, uh, menial standards, to these lower standards, um, and and so. It's it's hard, so hard for many people to really embrace um, not just the possibility of more, but just that their lives can actually be different, better, uh, more harmonious, more orderly, <laughs> more unified um, than what they're currently experiencing. Uh, yeah. But again, that starts with that God concept. Yes, yes. So kind of doing the drill down. Why are names, places, and numbers so important in metaphysical interpretation? Mm, good question. Well, you know, one of the things that this takes me to, particularly when we look at the, the First Testament or the Old Testament, 
um, is an understanding. I, I love the understanding that comes out of um, Jewish mysticism and, and Kabbalah. One of the things that's taught is that um, every every story that you read in the Bible has at least um, seven layers of understanding. And so as children, um, uh, as I did growing up in the, in the church, you know, you go to Sunday school, you learn the Bible stories. Um, you learn about Joshua and Moses and Joseph, and you learn about Esther. And, um, you, you learn about all of these biblical characters to get the literal story, to get the, you know, um, you know, who, what, when, and, and, you know, beginning, middle, and end of the story. Um, but it's taught in, in Kabbalah that then um, at the age of 40, um, the mystical aspects and the allegorical and the mythical and the symbolic aspects are um, revealed. Now, what I believe um, now we're in an age where, um, you know, just because of the age of the way information is able to be accessed, we're in a space where we're all able to actually um, get those those meanings and those 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 symbols, and so it's important in metaphysical study to to understand and recognize that um, these stories are symbolic. That the numbers mean something. That the 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 names that are used, um, and we'll, of course we'll, we'll talk about this as it relates to Moses. Um, you know, the names that are used had specific meanings. So when they were used, when the story was told um, in in uh, in the ancient Near East. Um, there was a there was an understanding of what that name really meant and what was being represented as you're witnessing this this story, um, uh, the, this allegory being being unfolded. Um, so the names, the numbers, and and the meanings of names that's our clue. I, I always um, when when I'm teaching our reimagine the Bible series, and I say you got to have your your secret decoder ring, right? Which is sort of like our our hermeneutic. Um, and so as you start to, to study uh, and see the repetition of certain numbers, um, you know, for instance, 12, right, 12 tribes uh, of, of Israel, the 12 disciples, um, we, we start to see that these numbers aren't just random. They just didn't happen to, um, uh, um, you know, uh, pick the same number, uh, but that, that it actually carries a vibration and a symbolic meaning, which is cluing us in about something going on with us individually. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's let's kind of yeah. jump into it because we have to take a break about ten twenty nine. So I want to make okay. sure that we get a little bit of this Moses in before the break, and then we can deal with okay. the rest of the Moses questions and yeah. offer people to have the opportunity to call in if they have a question. So what does Moses represent metaphysically? Ah, uh, well, Moses. Of course, we know Moses is the the the, the deliverer, um, and. Um, uh, Moses says his, his name means to 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 draw out, and I and I love that because um, this is where we get into understanding that the deliverer, the savior, <laughs> is within us, right? And so we must draw that out from within us, right? It's not going to come from outside of us. Um, what's interesting to me, you know, um, when we think about what Moses represents, it it always takes me back to how the Exodus story begins. Um, where it begins, uh, it comes just after the Joseph story, um, at the end of Genesis. And so at the end of Genesis, you know, we have basically life was really amazing and, and, and things were good. They, you know, moved through the famine and Joseph was exalted. Um, and then we read in the, I think it's the eighth verse of Exodus. Now there arose a king or a pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And I love that, right? Because that sets the scene up. I just see the storyteller sitting around a fire telling the story. 
because Joseph represents um, may the Lord add or give increase. And then, so the story is saying there arose a king um, that didn't know about increase. Um, and then what we find is he moves into a state of absolute fear. It, it, according to the story, it says he realizes that there are all these, uh, that the Hebrew people, there are all these people here that outnumber the Egyptians. Um, they could conquer us. So um, instead of letting them conquer us, we're going to enslave them. And so then that's what takes us in into this this story so moses um is the is the is the thing is the consciousness within us um that is counter to the fearful consciousness of this pharaoh this king within us um that forgets that does not know if i were going to um um, you know kind of put it in my own language and tell the story there arose something within us um that forgot that we were worthy there rose something within us that became fearful um and forgot that that all is well that things are always working out for us that we can expect the good these things that we affirm um uh, uh you know in our in our centers and in our churches around the planet um there are moments in our lives where we forget where we forget the truth of who and whose we are who and what we are but thank god there is always something within us that we can draw from, that we can draw out, that knower, that deliverer, um, that is able, uh, that is always able to speak to the power, right, and say, let my people go. Speak to the power and know, know something about themselves um, that, or know something about ourselves, um, within ourselves, that um, uh, is counter to whatever the external conditions are of life. And so that's, that's what Moses represents. As, all right, as, all right. I, as I look at the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great insight, especially with the Joseph part, the the increase, because it's easy just to jump into oh Joseph imagination, but what does his name right. actually mean? And mm-hmm, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it again it gives you the clues. Uh one yeah. of the definite metaphysical clues is the, the meaning of proper names, places and things. Yeah, so absolutely. So uh, drilling down on that, um what does the children of Israel represent metaphysically, at least in the Old Testament or right. the or the Tanakh? Right, right, right. right. So uh, again, this is also then the, the children of Israel um, reflect that aspect of ourselves. Um, that aspect of ourselves is interesting, even as much as the Pharaoh has has moved into a place of fear. Um, one of the things I love about this Exodus story, right? It's a story about forgetting and remembering. Right. And so we see how the children of Israel um, have also forgotten the, the truth of who they are, the, the truth of um, what they really represent and, and, and what their lineage really is. Um, and so that's why uh, it's so critical the way the story is told that um, you know, one of the purposes of the Exodus story is to codify this, this process of remembering. Um, when we look at our Jewish brothers and sisters and, and the, the, the beautiful rituals and ceremonies that take place uh, every year during Passover, um, it's, uh, it, it's that place of uh, supporting us and absolutely remembering um, who we are, never forgetting, because realizing that when we forget, we move back into Egypt. Um, uh, Hebrew teachers call, call Egypt uh, Mitzrayim, the place of tightness or constriction. Um, we could just call that lack of limitation today. Um, and there's a there's a Jewish mystic that says um, it's easy to get the Jews out of Egypt, but it's harder to get Egypt out of the Jews, right? And so 
when I think about that statement and I think about the Hebrew people um, and the children of Israel as it's reflected within us, um, it's that aspect of ourselves that uh, sometimes we're still addicted to this place of bondage. We're still addicted to um, these old ways of being, these old patterns of beliefs, these old expectations of life. Um, and gratefully, we get to come back to the story over and over again um, to remember that not only is our liberation possible, but also to remember um, why we must liberate ourselves um, from the fearful thoughts, the doubtful, the, the doubt, the worry, um, all of those things that ultimately don't serve us. Yeah, you know, it, what you uh, stated reminded me of a statement that people used to say in Chicago when I was a little kid, which was, and I'm not saying it's a good statement, by the way, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was said, uh, um, you know, uh, you can take a man out the projects, but you can't take the projects out the man. And I, don't, I didn't like the right. statement, one, because my dad was from the projects and my aunt, uncles, aunties, et cetera. But uh, right. the point that they were trying to, you know, trying to say was there were times when moving your location did not move your mentality. Mm-mm. Yeah, consciousness. Got right. to and and yeah. you know and I can say being you know one generation from folks who grew up in the projects that mm-hmm. there are some things that are harder to shake. Yeah. Um, not for yeah. me because I well it wasn't my experience, mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. not just family but friends of family that sometimes you take the culture with you unintentionally yep. Yep. and I would say unconsciously. And I think, yeah. oh, shoot, I'm looking up. We've got about a minute and a half before this break. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, the the children of Israel, especially after, you know, and I'm sure we're gonna, you're going to touch on this, after they left mm-hmm. Egypt, after they were liberated mm-hmm. um, from the location, that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they were lo- liberated mentally. Exactly. They had not changed their minds. <laughs> yes, it, you know, and and, and and we can change jobs, and change yep. cities, and change and, states, oh, and change mm-hmm. countries, and, and uh, divorce somebody else and get a new new significant mm-hmm. other. Or, and yep. if we don't change, no, nope. yeah, we we die in the wilderness yep. until yep. all yep. those yep. old thoughts and beliefs would do what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. We got about 30, sec- 30, 45 seconds before we go to the commercial. So let me give the phone number for some people who might want to call in and ask some questions when we come back from break. Uh, the number is 816-251-3555. 816-251-3555. You can call in, ask Reverend Greg a question or make a comment. I'm sure he would love to hear from you. Uh we want to make sure that if you have a question and your question could help somebody else. So don't sit on your question just because you don't want to call in live because normally on these shows, I get, you know, the, the inbox messages to my Facebook page later with questions. And I'm like, you should have called in. So make sure you call in and get what you need and help somebody else out with your question. God bless you. We'll be right back with True Transforms. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we get back to our guest, the Reverend Greg Stamper, I want to just give my quick commercial. Remember that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. My request is that you go to the website, unityonlineradio.org, or use the shortcut, unity.fm. Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. This uh, online radio station goes all over the world. We have people listening to these shows in every continent. And it's really important for people to recognize that there are people who do not have access, physical access to teachers or centers that teach new thought. And it's important to make sure that this message gets out. We're impacting the world by getting this information out via the internet. Also, please be reminded that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. My request is that you like the page, give it a five-star rating, and write a great positive review. The show is also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. So what that means is you can listen to it in a lot of different ways. Please, again, give it a five-star rating, write a positive review, so people will stop and pause and actually say, wait a minute, let me check this Truth Transforms out and see what it's about. It has a, a lot of five-star reviews and positive ratings. I know that you're getting good, uh, um, good teachings from it because you reach out to me via my Facebook page and my inbox. So I know that you're getting fed. Let people know you're getting fed so they can get fed as well. Uh, last but not least, I want to remind you that the Christ Universal Temple uh, live stream is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Central Time from 10.30 a.m. until 12 p.m. You can go to our website, which is cutemple.org, to watch the live stream. You can also watch the live stream through YouTube. If you go to our YouTube page, CU Temple, the letter CU, the word temple, all together, you can watch the live stream of our services. And, of course, then you can watch the services or the sermons later. So you can go to our YouTube page and literally see over a decade of sermons. Can't beat it. Can't beat it with a stick, as they used to say when I was a kid. So, <laughs> make, sure that, <laughs> so you make sure that you give yourself the opportunity to take advantage of all of the ways in which you can connect with our ministry. Uh, so, Reverend Greg, uh, yeah. I want to make sure that I give people an opportunity to ask questions. I'm going to give the number again, and we're going to jump into a little bit more of this uh, Moses, the metaphysics of Moses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call in and ask Reverend Greg uh, a question at 816-251-3555, 816 Three five five five, and also Reverend Greg, before you get into uh, answering 
uh, more questions, could you please let people know how they can get in contact with you as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, all the social channels. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you can find me um, to get in touch with us. Celebration Spiritual Center. Our website is Celebration SC, S as in spiritual, C as in center, dot org. Um, you can also stream our services. Uh, we stream every Sunday on, on our YouTube channel. Just uh, type in Celebration Spiritual Center. Uh, you'll find a wealth of sermons. Um, and in the context of this conversation, the Re- Reimagine the Bible series is an annual series we do. Um, and I, I think it would definitely be uh, beneficial as it relates to this conversation. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. So getting back to the metaphysics of Moses. Yeah. What does it mean? to be in bondage in Egypt in this story? You, I know you touched on it somewhat already. Right, yeah, right, right. We talked about it. So, yeah, that, that sense of bondage, um, again, understanding that it, it's a, a tight place and a place of constriction. And you know, when we talk about lack of limitation, you know, in, in modern context, you know, it's usually we're talking about money. Um, but lack of limitation is any area of your life, right? It's a lack and limitation mindset to think that, um, I can only get paid this amount of money um, uh, for doing uh, a certain type of work. It's a lack and limitation mindset um, that believes that, uh, you know, there are no good women out here, no good men out here. You know, it's a lack and limitation mindset um, to believe that I can only go to a certain type of school or I can only receive a certain type of education. So that level of bondage um, exists and ex- shows up in our lives and so many different ways. And I think this is why it's so helpful to come back to this Exodus story, to come back to this liberation story and look at it and ask ourselves, you know, where are we, uh, wh- where am I still in bondage? And what's interesting, and I think this is, this is part of why in the story, the children of Israel reverted back to their old ways, because bondage had become normalized, right? This way of being, lack of limitation had become normalized. Um, and, and I think that's the other place that we can look in our, at ourselves and say, right, where have I gotten comfortable? Where have I gotten used to um, um, this way of being? There, there's a, a story that my grandfather loves to tell, and I, I tell this story often. Um, uh, there was a man who, who went to visit a friend of his. They hadn't seen each other in a while. And so he, he went to go hang out with him, and they sat on the porch and, you know, caught up and, and laughed and talked. And all the while that they were talking, um, the man's dog was sitting there whimpering. And finally, you know, it was, it was starting to get a little an- annoying. And he asked him, he said, you know, what, man, what's going on with your dog? You know, why is the dog whimpering? You know, and he said, oh, he's sitting on a nail. Uh, and they kept talking. And then for you, he's like, okay, the dog is sitting on a nail. He's whimpering. He's obviously in pain. He's obviously discom- uh, discomforted. And um, he said, well, why, why is the dog sitting on a nail? You know, why won't he get up? And he says, you know, he'll get up once it hurts bad enough. And so often, I think in our lives, that's unfortunately when we start to pay attention, right? Um, Reverend Michael famously says, you know, pain pushes until the vision pulls. Um, we get to a point in our life because we have developed such a high threshold for pain, and, and I, I'm always teaching to lower your threshold for pain, that we don't pay attention to, wait a minute, I'm in Egypt. Wait a minute, I'm in this place of constriction. Wait a minute, I'm doing just and being just like the children of Israel. Um, we don't pay attention until it gets loud, until it becomes painful. And it doesn't have to be that way. 
Um, it is my prayer that all of us, um, as I would hope we would do, if we accidentally sat on a nail, we would jump up immediately, not get used to the pain and figure out how do I live life um, in this sitting on a nail consciousness, but actually remembering the truth um, that um, there is never a reason I wasn't designed or created to sit on a nail. I'm not being penalized to live <laughs> this consciousness of sitting on a nail, um, but I'm actually uh, uh, as as we think about that whole idea of the children of Israel and being the children of God and and um, being a part of this, this eventually becoming the you know the, the tribes of Israel the tribes of God um, that we hold that same birthright that we are children um, uh, and as Apostle Paul says we're heirs right we have a divine inheritance and so uh, it's important that we come back to that realization which ultimately is the re realization that the children of Israel come to over time. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a great way of looking at it, you know, and it reminds me of, and we have a couple of, uh, I think we have a couple of callers, so I do want to make sure oh, that we beautiful. give them an opportunity to ask you some questions. Um, uh, your statement brought me back to H. Emily Cady, Lessons yep. in Truth. Yeah, uh, yep. lesson one. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, and I, I'm just going to drop the statement and I just want to bring this caller on. Well, we have okay. two callers waiting. Um, so, so <laughs> what she said or wrote, every man believes himself to be in bondage to the flesh and the things of the flesh. All suffering mm -hmm. is the result of this belief. Uh, if we mm -hmm. can just pause there for a moment while we take these callers. So hopefully we have some time to come back and deal with it. So, uh, oh, we yeah. have one caller. I'm not uh, sure of his name. Uh, I think it might be not shed. Um, but I'm not sure if I mispronounced it, please forgive me. Uh, caller, are you there? Hello? 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 Are you? How you doing there? Yes. Uh, what's your name? Can you hear me? Hello, are you? Can yes, you I'm me? here. Uh, what's your name? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, this is oh. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that uh, it was me. You. That was my name. The name that I gave. Um. Am I on the line? Yes, you're yes. you're live. So I, uh, yeah, I definitely okay, need your question, sir. You. Uh, first of all, a happy sunrise, Reverend McDowell. I just wanted to say, uh, and also to Reverend Stamper, who What's I'm up, a great fan of, uh, I just yeah. want to say, I just want to ask a question. You mentioned liberating God. And mm -hmm. can you elaborate on the basic bondage, if you will, and how, and, and what would be the motivation for? You're, you're, you're breaking up, brother. I'm having a hard yeah. time hearing your question. Yeah. Are you able to hear me now? I was, I was saying, yes. Mention, you know, Reverend Sanford mentioned God being bondage. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering um, if you could elaborate on how that came about and also, you know, how, explain how we get to the point of liberating God in this new era that he speaks about. But I'm specifically wondering, you know, how is it that God end up um, being in bondage? Like, and what, what would be some of the factors that would put God in bondage? Mm -hmm. Okay. Good question. Good question. So, so there's 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 a couple of things and kind of a, where where that understanding comes from for me and kind of the framework is to understand that individually the sum total of what 
we believe and accept about life. That is what our God is, right? And this is one of the reasons why no two people really have the same God and, and why there's so many wars and, and um, uh, arguments around who and what God is. You know, people trying to say, oh, my God is the God of the mountain. My God is the God of the sea. My God is the God. Um, um, because in truth, God can only be um, what we allow it to be, and that's through our thinking. That's through through our, our minds, and that's through the concepts that we hold about it and also about life and ourselves, what's possible for us. So understanding that, right, understanding that that our life is really an outpicturing of our consciousness and God is responding to us, right? We're not here to serve God. Galen, you just mentioned uh, Emily Cady, right, in, in Lesson 1, um, where where she talks about that idea that we're not victims to the circ- circumstances of life, neither are we the servants of God, right, um, which is a profound statement. And every time I realized that she wrote that so long ago, um, it moves us into this, this understanding that we're co-creating with this power, that we're one with this thing, um, and that it's operating in, through, and as us. So if that is true, if if God, life itself, is operating in, through, and as us, um uh and it's 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 how it how it manifests through us is based on our allowing and our accepting and that allowing and accepting our, our conscious and unconscious beliefs um ab- about life and about ourselves then as we liberate our belief systems as we move into um thoughts about knowing that we're worthy as we move and become possibilians and 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 realize that there's more possible for ourselves for our lives for our, our, our culture, for our planet, um, then what that does is that that is what creates the space for God to then operate through those beliefs. And so we've in truth liberated God um, because, you know, God being the all that is, is, is not um, limited, um, but our experience of God is limited based on our belief patterns, our belief systems. And so we have to liberate those things. Um, which is, you know, symbolic in the in the story here, in the Exodus story, so that we can allow more of this life to flow through us. It's sort of like, um, um, well, Ernest Holmes um, uses the idea of of molds, and I I did a demonstration. Um, I think the sermon the sermon is on YouTube. Um, preparation meets manifestation. Um, that um, I, I had a, a bunch of marbles, different colored marbles, and I had different size containers. And I filled up the first container, which was really small. Now, when we have that small container and it's filled and we're like, oh, well, I have, you know, this is all that I can experience. This is all that life is. And therefore, this is all that God is. Meanwhile, in this larger basket, which represents the eternal, there were plenty more marbles that could fill this this small container, but it would just overflow because the container did not have enough space to to experience and express more of God. So we recognize that then for us on our spiritual journey is not for for God to become more, um, but we, as we grow ourselves, becoming bigger containers, we've now liberated God to now express in in a more expansive way in our lives. And so in that demonstration, then we move to a bigger container, and now we can receive more of the all that is. Now we can express more of the all that is. Um, that's how we're actually liberating God. And so I believe that the journey of life, the adventure of life, 
um, I was talking about this last night in our choir rehearsal. Um, Joseph Campbell talks about we must constantly say a hearty yes to the next adventure. And that hearty yes to the next adventure is that new experience of liberation. Um, because there's always something within our consciousness that we must liberate ourselves from. Even if it's, you know, on the affirmative, um, you know, you could be experiencing um, uh, what it looks like and means to be a millionaire, and yet you would have to give up that consciousness to become a billionaire, right? That's a different um, uh, perspective of life in the world. Um, you would become more. It's not that the billions didn't exist. It's not that the money wasn't flowing, um, but our consciousness has to change to then continue to, to move into to, to more experiences. All right. Beautiful. So thank you for the question because we do have another caller. Uh, thank oh, you for so calling thanks, in. Sir. Thank you for the support yeah, of the you, show. Man. Thank you. All right. Thank guys, you. Thank you. Um, I, I believe we also have a Sherry on the line. Sherry, are you there? It's Sheree. Oh, okay. Hey, Sheree, how you doing? <laughs> hey, hey. I have, how are you? I have a question. I'm a member of Celebration Spiritual Center, and just something came up. You guys were talking about the LBGTQ community really quick, and mm -hmm. I, I'm a therapist, so I see a lot of that community in therapy. And one of the things that they always come in with is that there is it's an abomination. There's a lot of guilt behind it. So I wanted to know from a metaphysical perspective, um, what, is, what does that actually mean, that being, you know, this, this is a, an abomination? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. And, Galen, we were just talking about this. This is one of the interesting things for me in terms of biblical interpretation um, and, and sort of the different lenses that we can use to look at the Bible. Um, and for me, when, when I, um, in my study and when I'm um, supporting LGBTQ folks to, to look at the Bible differently, I actually don't think that a metaphysical um, perspective is the mo necessarily the most beneficial, um, and particularly when it comes to these specific passages. Um, there's a video um, on, on uh, my, my Facebook page. I did a video after the big upheaval with, with Kim Burrell, and she was talking about abomination um, and, and, and castigating folks. What's interesting is to first look at the historical critical lens, Right. Um, and, and look at the fact that the, the codes um, and laws that were created that we see in Exodus and Leviticus and calling certain things abomination were really cultural um, and, and also rooted in a level of fear, but really cultural. One of the things that we look at when we look at the Hebrew people at that time and what it is that they were trying to do as they moved into really a land that didn't belong to them. Um, and they were the, the small fish in this bigger pond of all of these different um, cultures and tribes. They wanted to preserve um, their way of life. And so they actually outlawed uh, same-sex same uh, relationships to try to promote procreation, not saying that it was wrong in the, in the strictest sense that we think of it today, um, but it was, it, was, it was a law that they were – I think misguided, honestly, to try to protect um, and, and foster that community. Um, and then we also have to understand that in the context of that time, everything was seen as when you did something wrong, you, you were offending God, right? You can look at any culture across the planet at that time. You know, for other cultures, it was like when the, you know, volcano erupted um, that, you know, God or the gods were upset. And so everything was, was interpreted through that lens. 
but here and now in this time time space reality in this moment um, uh, of consciousness um, we have have a, a, a better understanding um, and what's what's fascinating to me of course is the um, the how how the interpretation isn't across the board right it's also an abomination to eat shrimp Right, 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 and this is and this is why we have to have the context of understanding what does an abomination really mean, right? It was also mm-hmm. an abomination to wear certain types of fabric. That you know, it was an abomination for a man to touch a woman when she was menstruating. Like you know, I mean, it it, it became unclean, right? So uh, we have to, I think, look at it in this total context. Unfortunately, um, and this is still just a. a, a human characteristic, unfortunately, um, many humans start, tend to zero in on the thing that they personally don't understand or um, they may personally not like. Or in many cases, in, in the context of the Christian church, um, they are curt personally experiencing um, but are unwilling uh, or feel that they're unable to, to come out to be um, openly gay. And so they, they go to these, these passages of Scripture. I, I want to jump in on this one a little bit because I just, I just a yeah, couple of things. Yeah, please, and everything please. you said was fantastic, and I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Just want to add a few little things because you work in therapy, and I think, um, I, first of all, I love the fact that you're calling in and just trying to get some insight to help your people. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you start with the basic fu- fundamental premise that most of these people are coming from the perspective that the Bible is inerrant, like it, it has yeah. no mistakes. Like everything that's written in it is God beaming down through some individual and writing through their hand. So w- when you read the Bible, you're reading God's position. So when, when preachers get up in front of people and say, let's see what God has to say about this. Then they turn to Romans. So they're really reading Paul's theological point of view or cultural or social point of view or Paul's context, not mm-hmm. what God has to say. So the, so you know, in the end of the dragon by uh, with Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee tells this young student who's uh, at the Shaolin Temple. He says, he says, don't think, feel. It's like a finger pointing at the moon. If you concentrate on the finger, you miss all the heavenly glory. These Bibles, these scriptures, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, or Science of Mind, it doesn't make a difference what the text is. <laughs> right. Their fingers pointing at the moon. If you that what what are these sacred writings and scriptures sacred not because of origin sacred because the community says they're sacred yeah and and i really want to make sure that that's differentiated people if 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 you just automatically go to this book is god speaking instead of people's understandings of god in different times and cultures and contexts uh, a, a culture that was not your culture not your language not your context. Yeah. Yeah. If we don't, uh, if if we don't get that, then we'll use it to abuse people. But more importantly, mm-hmm. and and this is what I tell people, and maybe my answer might be too radical for some of your patients. I'm not saying you should yeah, use like it, it, but as a minister, this is what I tell people, point blank. I actually had a situation where um, one of my friends um, who um, uh, is a lesbian was getting married to a same same gender, marrying a woman. And her family called her, I mean, and attacked her hard. You're about to do an abomination. You're about to sin against God. You're about to do all this stuff. And she said, well, what do I tell them? I said, you tell them 
So what? <laughs> so what? Wow. See, because here's the thing. When you see, see, when you get into somebody else's argument, you start from the premise that they're right, and you have to defend right. yourself. Yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah, to explain yeah. to her, you don't have to defend who you love. You're right. two consenting adults who are making mm-hmm. a choice to build a life together. Yep. Now, if you start from the premise that the Bible says what you're doing is wrong and you need other scriptures to defend yourself, you're playing the game. Yeah. Get out of the game. Yep. You don't have to defend you. So so New Thought, New Thought starts from the premise that there's something radically right about the human being. I've been telling people that for the last three years because when Spirit revealed it to me, I said, I'm always going to use that term. There's something radically right about you. The Bible can only point and talk about the something that is radically right about you. Now, does that mean we mess up? We do stupid stuff? We create drama and trauma, et cetera? Yes. All of that is a part of our forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. But at our core, yep. we're perfect, whole, and complete. And that perfect whole and complete does not care who you're sleeping with. That perfect whole and complete does not care about what job you have or don't have. That perfect whole and complete does not care where you live. That perfect whole and complete does not care what religion you're involved in or if you have no religion. Right. There's something radically right about the human being. And if we can get people to the place of so what, now what? So what? Mm Mm-hmm. Now what? We got like, yeah, like 30 to 45 seconds left, so I'm going to have to go. The show got to end. But, but but I really want <laughs> just the process. So what? Yeah, I like so that. What? Thank you guys for that. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so, so much. We, we, we might have to just have a show just on that subject. Uh, I don't know. I uh, oh, so what? Now just what? deal with it. That's so hilarious. what? Now what? Yeah. yeah. So what? So so in the context of uh, of of that, and if we have more questions, Reverend Greg, we might have to come back later and do the rest of them because we didn't really finish the story. But people had questions and they got answers, yeah. and that's the main thing. Absolutely. So I want to thank you because in these thank last you. twenty seconds before the music starts to play, thank you for showing up, um, thank being you, a light unto humanity, and uh-huh. um, I support your work and everything that you're doing. So you know, keep up the good work. And you know, uh, you, uh, you know, one day I hope to be always. able to worship with your community and hang out and et cetera when I make New York. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to it, man. All right. So God bless you and thank you listeners. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.